0: Welcome to Why. The first stop on this journey of self-indulgence or self-discovery or whatever is with Dave Robison. Dave I've known for several years now. I met him at Balticon as part of the new media slash podcasting group. And he was host of the Roundtable podcast, which helped develop a lot of ideas uh, through workshopping and spitballing and white papering. And I found him to be a natural resource of creativity and positivity. Uh, We worked together on Hidden Harbor Mysteries, where he performed as the narrator, and we've worked on a couple of other projects together. But I wanted to talk with him about how he keeps such a positive outlook. It was a great conversation.
1: Introducing Archivos, a new story development tool that allows writers and gamers to document the story elements of their settings, map the relationships between those elements, and then display those connections through three unique interfaces. One of those interfaces is the timeline. Every event documented by the storyteller is displayed in chronological order on a scrollable timeline. Details for each event are available with the click of a mouse, including a summary of the event, the location, and the characters who were involved. Plus, like all of Archivos' display modes, the timeline is searchable and filterable, so you can explore the aspects of your story world that captures your imagination. Learn more about Archivos at www.archivos.digital. That's A-R-C-H-I-V-O-S dot digital. Archivos. Your stories illuminated. Conversation always elevates. It always (laughs) elevates when I'm on the Skype line.
0: Yes, yes it does. Yes it does. (laughs) Uh, I I gotta tell you uh, that this feels a lot better when I'm just being open and honest about what I'm trying to get out of it and what I'm experiencing and relate it to your experiences and how you get through it because... The reason I asked you on the show, not because you're the sponsor of the show or anything, <laughs> but because I've known you for several years, um, mm-hmm. we've shared some creative endeavors together, and yeah. through it all, you remain consistently upbeat, optimistic, energized, and I know that, that that's that's coming from a, a deep reserve in your character, and I look at that and I'm like, man, that is, that's just why doesn't everyone have this? Whenever I've pitched an idea to you, mm-hmm. uh, and this goes to the Roundtable podcast, which, which I think I first heard you on years ago, uh, right. you're the kind of guy that nurtures an idea and builds on it, which is kind of the opposite of what writers typically do in terms of critique. They start to deconstruct it and criticize it, pull out pieces of it, put those pieces together in a different configuration, and, they just, and it's it's a different process. With you, it's, it's okay, you gave me the clay, let's try and mold something together. Would that, sure. it, did you say that's like an accurate statement of, of how you feel you're doing things or
1: I that that's actually okay, let's let's get down to the, to the heart and soul of how this how the magic works on, on brainstorming. For for me I it's it's a matter of finding the joy and the delight. In a thing, whatever that thing is, mm-hmm. uh, it's uh, just a quick sidebar. Um, I was just at WorldCon last week yes. and uh, had on occasion had occasion to to sit several times with one of the vendors, uh, and this guy, I, I saw his stuff. He's a leather worker. He's very talented. But he was very negative. It's like, ah, uh, you know, God, this, my back hurts, my knees hurt. Yeah, I understand that. But uh, the, the booth is not doing well. I'm not making my money back. I'm sleeping in my van, yada, yada. And I, it got to the point where if I saw him sitting on the bench where my wife and I usually sat to, to take in the air, as it were, I'd go like, oh, God, here it comes. And it occurred to me that the guy had no joy. The guy was not having fun at what he was doing he did not see what he was doing as noble as exciting as worthy uh, uh, it was just it was, at best it was a job for him mm. and in the context of presenting yourself of, 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 of selling yourself certainly since so many artists you know we're all looking for ways to engage with our Either our existing audience and our potential audience, uh, but also just going through life. If, if you're not actively seeking joy, if you're not actively, you know, we, I say it at the end of the of the podcast, look, find you find what you're looking for, uh, and if you look for reasons to be wrong or reasons to be uh, 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 inappropriate or or that. Your work isn't worthy or what have you I guarantee you you're going to find them Because you find what you're looking for <laughs> uh, But if you Turn that around If you look for the things that you delight in And this is where we bring it back Into your original question about brainstorming When when an idea Is presented to me I look for those Bright points That resonate to me in particular um, Fortunately in this pop culture community we live in, we share a lot of flashpoints. You know, yeah. it might be Firefly, it might be Star Trek, it might be Star Wars. It doesn't matter. There's there's a broad and very common fabric that we all cut our cloth from. That's a weird metaphor, but we'll run with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and And by you pitching an idea, my instinct is to... I guess project into its final form or a final form, and then kind of sit back in my brain and go, "Is that cool? That is cool. Oh, that'd be cool if it did this. Oh, I would love this." And and it just it starts building from there. You start looking for those excitement points at the end, at the at the final product, and and work backwards. Mm -hmm. from there i guess that's that's part of it that's part of it
0: so there's there's joy in all aspects of creation it's it's not the initial infatuation with a project it's the joy you find in the details creating every brick that goes into that
1: structure absolutely Uh, absolutely and 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 that's not to say that that every moment is a joy As yeah. we can all attest, there are there are moments of doubt and moments of frustration. It's like, holy crap, uh, how is that going to work? How is this going to work? But there's if 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 at the end of the day you're not happy doing what you're doing, mm-hmm. maybe you're not delighted with what you've done that day, that writing session or that painting session or whatever. But if if you're not going it's okay. Tomorrow, I'll pick it up again, and it'll be different because X, Y, and Z. Whatever. Uh, uh, if if you if if you're not feeling that joy in that process, then you're looking in the wrong place. I think. Yeah. And and I'm 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 very cautious about you know laying down absolutes. Um, but you know, if you can walk away from writing, you probably should you know I, wow yeah
0: and and i think a lot of writers think that every day they think they that it's well i don't know i can't, i know how to speak for all writers i don't know all writers but i come from a community of of people who invested enough to get a masters in it and it's a very diverse community of people who the last thing in the world they would want to do is walk away from doing that um but it's the days that yeah, I, I think the big issue right now, uh, my class graduated two years ago, and a, and a common theme among many of them is I have returned to my regular job, and uh, at the end of the day I can barely put a couple hundred words together and none of them are good, and there's no joy in it. And And they have that attitude, I think, that, okay, tomorrow I'll try again because I will not give up being a writer. But after yeah. two or three or four or ten months of that novel that I did in two years, I am still on page three of this next project, and I haven't sold, and I haven't done this. It's almost it's like a cumulative effect. You're you're, you're building up. It's a growing cancer inside you.
1: It's inertia, absolutely. It's yeah. dragging you down.
0: Yeah, and in but- your case, you've you've created these these incredible projects that had to you had to commit you know, hundreds of hours even conceiving and thousands of hours to execute. And I'm sure that that weighed on you a great deal. How did you work through that cumulative stress and and doubt and frustration? Well,
1: for one thing, I I don't have that same sense of inertia that somebody writing a novel has, Mm -hmm. because every episode of the podcast that I work on uh, is a new experience. It's either a new writer, a new author that we're interviewing, and certainly a new story is going to be pitched. Uh, uh, and I will honestly, there have, especially probably in the last year or so, um, there have been moments it's like, Oh God, I don't want to do this. Don't want to do this. But it's like. I've, I've, I've made the arrangements, I've, I've signed, you know, I've got people committed to, I've got four creative people committed to a single time on the internet at once. That is no small task, as anyone who's tried to accomplish that <laughs> yeah. knows. So you really can't walk away from that. You can't just say, oh, screw it, I'm, I'm, I don't want to do this. Here's the thing, as soon as that record button, no, never, even before that, as soon as everybody's on the Skype line, and talking and there's excitement and there's possibility and there's potential and as soon as everybody's on the skype line I start getting energized as soon as I hit that record button it's it's like this this dome of awesome (laughs) descends around us and the experience takes off and and I can I can look and I can see that feeling of exhaustion and God, do I have to do this again? And oh, my God. But then as soon as I connect with other people, other mm-hmm. creatives, there's an energy there. And I, and I don't think it's vampiric. I don't think I'm leeching off of them. I think I give <laughs> as good as I get uh, when it comes to these things. But for me personally, that collaborative, creative endeavor energizes me. Mm. and engages me on levels I don't even fathom or understand. So if somebody is engaged in a in a cycle of, you know, after you were saying two months, six months, ten months of working a job and the creative process is not working, mm-hmm. then you need to find a different way of doing things because you clearly, if you had a novel last year, and now you're three pages in, something's changed. What changed? Well, I have a full-time job now. Okay, let's acknowledge that. Don't resent it because you've got to take care of your family. you got to put a roof over your head. you got to feed your face. That's a given. Uh, and I'm betting you wouldn't be working that full-time job if you didn't have those responsibilities and that you don't take them seriously. That in and of itself is noble. That in and of itself is something to be proud of, not to resent. Yes, you want to be a writer. Hell yes, everybody wants that that immersion in that process and to feel that sense of creation. But if the routine that you've been going through for the last 10 months is resulting in this zero sum of three pages, then you need to find a different way to engage with your craft in the context of this thing that's right in the middle of your day, the full-time job. Mm-hmm. And that might mean that might mean altering your your creative process to write in short snippets, fifteen minutes here, ten minutes there, the lunch break. Yes, the words will not be as awesome as they were if you're sitting there in your writer's garret, breathing <laughs> in the muse, and, and touring forth the gold words that would inspire a nation, blah blah blah. But they are words. And then on the weekend or when you can find an hour or two or three, you take those existing words and you polish and you edit and you restructure. The beauty of that is, is that once you get that foundation of just that first, doesn't even have to be a freaking chapter, just a scene, that is a foundation upon which you can build and then rinse and repeat. And this is just one process, you know, smaller bits. I, we both have a mutual friend, Starla Hutchton. She writes books on her phone in the bathroom. Wow. She has, oh, yeah, baby. Oh, man. Her, her last books, you look at her last canon, uh, all of them <laughs> were written in the bathroom on her cell phone. Because she's a and she's raising a family, an awesome family, but a family nonetheless. Mm-hmm. And that said, she finds a way to make it work and that's, that's that's the distinction i think you're right uh
0: and this kind of times as you're talking i'm i'm taken back to this past weekend and your podcast where you your presence is energized and it is energizing so sitting here you know i wanted to put a john williams march behind your words when i <laughs> read it, this thing because <laughs> I can see this because when we were all together at Seton Hill University or when I'm in my writing group, there's always that one person who's like, there's always the one guy who says, this wasn't good enough. But there's always that one person who said, you know, if you just changed this, I think you will feel much better about it. Here's yeah. how it could be even better. Not yeah. this. There's there's always the salvage guy who says, this sucks, but you can make it better. But there's always somebody who says, this is this is coming along, and, and here's how I think. Here's my 12-point plan for you to salvage this community. And <laughs> yeah. being in that community, and I'm thinking about this past weekend, watching you on stage at the Retro Hugo Awards. <laughs> and I'm going I'm to pimp this because it's the freshest memory of you I have. Uh, when I wrote a script, I, I don't really know what's going to happen. So when I was asked to write the script for the Retro Hugos, you were my go-to guy because <laughs> I knew you could regurgitate a lot of words quickly. And in the right order. Um, <laughs> so I was encouraged to write to you. But then I, I kind of lost track of the fact that, one, we weren't going to have a whole lot of, of rehearsal time. Right. Two, the the number of actors and the actors in, in roles were going to change. And despite the brilliance of, of Deanna Showlander and her team, it was going to be chaos. Sure. So I gave paragraphs to people who had, like, 30 minutes to read them. Yeah. Despite this, you are on stage, and I'm watching you and John Scalzi going and going off each other, <laughs> and you're fueling the other actors. You watch them, and when it comes toward time for them to open their mouths and speak, they're not intimidated. They're not. Right. They're, they're there, they feel your energy, they're fueled by it, and they're pushing back just as hard. Yeah. Ah, that saved the piece. You could have had two actors up there, who just sucked all the energy and made it for themselves. But no, it's a collaborative thing, even though in in the case of writing, it is a, a solitary thing for the most part. There has to be some kind of reflection. There has to be some kind of yes and in the mix where you're you're saying to yourself, you know, I'm not an imposter. I have just as, as much right and talent and skill. I just need to figure out a way to, to find the energy to put it on, on paper, put it out there, and find a some kind of mechanism, either a writer's group or some kind of feedback where there's, there are people there who are energized and can fuel you back up. And in that, you'll fuel other people. Well, and exactly.
1: And and that, you know, I, I was talking after the Hugo Awards, uh, I, was, I happened to stumble into a conversation with Rachel, Rachel Swirsky, uh, which was awesome. And uh, one of the things that came out of that conversation is a very strong advocacy on my part that... I think every writer needs to take an acting class. I think mm-hmm. they need to experience exactly what you're describing, Jay. That's the fact that as an actor on stage with other actors, it's what actors talk about when they talk about the ensemble. Mm-hmm. You are not there to do your lines and then shut up. You are there <laughs> to listen and let the words that are coming at you affect you. And mm-hmm. then that, the effect that those words have on you is the energy from which the next words come, if the script is well-written. And, mm-hmm. sir, it was a well-written script. Uh, we, we, we've, we've discussed some of the other uh, things that could have been changed. But at the heart, you don't have a scene like me and Scalzi had with that kind of energy and excitement if we don't have good emotive words to build on. Mm. that quid pro quo, that energetic exchange is invigorating and exciting. And I think very much, I guess now that we've talked about it, I think that's the heart of where that energy is for me. That's what I'm looking for in every brainstorm, in every creative idea. Because when you pitch an idea to me, we have entered into a dialogue. It's improv. But it's still theater of a sort. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have an idea. I let those words affect me emotionally and respond back and And I have an objective. I want things to be awesome. That is my goal in any exchange <laughs> or engagement. My goal is to make things awesome. And yeah. so consequently, that intent blended with the energy that you give me leads to me going, yes, that's cool. And if you do this, then you get this thing and it's, oh my God, do you feel that? And then if you're listening and you're not closed minded because you didn't really want my ideas, you were just wanted to get some mouthed affirmations, if you're listening and you're there To to engage, then you catch that energy, and then yes, absolutely, it is an energizing experience.
0: Yeah, and and I think that's that's very true of the career path too. One of the things I wanted to talk about with you is that we're all on our separate journeys. We're all at different places in our. We're all at separate places in our careers. (laughs) Um, We are recording this in. We're recording this live on my lanai tonight. We're we're out on my (laughs) lawn. I figured I'd just do this out in the open. Anyway.
1: Alfresco um, podcasting. Yes. 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 <laughs> it, it's
0: a new way of, it's a very casual way of podcasting. Um, like yeah, the studio's in it literally being built around me as we speak. So um, what was I saying? Okay, the long-term, the, the career. Right, the career. I was on a panel with, <clears throat> I was on a panel where we were discussing um, how you measure your success in your writing or artistic career. And they wanted absolutes they after five years should I be here after ten years should no uh, it, that's uh, not the friggin point. Raymond Chandler published his first novel when he was fifty one that's and and he is he's a friggin legend the yeah. The point of this is that you are on your own mountain, and one of the senses of frustration that people express is that if they're not if they will look at their peers, they'll look at somebody younger they'll look at somebody who didn't quote pay their dues, and they'll see them higher up the mountain, not realizing that they're on a completely different mountain than <laughs> they are. on. And sure, there are people who look like they're higher up, but they're dealing with their own struggles. They're dealing with their own setbacks. And at some point, you may catch up with them. So one of the things that frustrates artists is that they feel like by age 30, they have to accomplish cer- certain things. And now that I'm rocketing toward 50, I call bullshit on that.
1: <laughs> Absolutely.
0: That was something that was instilled in me. Where okay, when you go to college, you're going to go for an English degree, or you're going to go for an art degree. That's the silliest thing I've ever heard. Give you five years, and after five years, if you're not a best-selling author, you're done. You go back into accounting, and you shut the hell up. No, no. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Well, yeah, Uh, yeah. that Uh, is absurd. Well, and it, it begs the question oh how yeah, to phrase this question um you know what does it mean to be a writer uh uh you know you people you know we would you you touched on on concepts of, of uh, uh imposter syndrome uh, uh, and and these 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 absurd five-year limitations that people put on each other on themselves uh uh you know what does it mean and, and looking for specific metrics of success I, I think first of all in this day and age there's a strong sense of of urgency and and a pressure of getting things done as quickly and productively as possible and i also feel like people are ascribing certain conditions to their value as an artist if if i'm not published i'm not an artist if i don't get a hugo nomination i'm not an artist if these things don't happen i'm not an artist and and that i think is really where we need to call bullshit mm-hmm. uh, I, I think anytime and this is and i'm, I'm let's work through this cuz this might be complete bullshit too um <laughs> but i think i think anytime your the criteria for your success exists outside of your skin that criteria needs to be given a very, very heavy grain of salt alongside it. Mm-hmm. I think if you cannot find success within yourself, if writing a good scene does not bear with it, certainly not the end all be all, because we're artists. We want to share our stuff. We want to we want to affect people with our stuff. I get that. But if you know, I, I host a I host a flash prompt group. Where every day at 4 a.m. I post a uh, an image, some some fantastical portrait or some bizarre photograph or whatever, and people mm-hmm. post, you know, three or four paragraphs uh, inspired by that, whatever it is. No, no judgment, no nothing. Just put it up there. And I think I've contributed like twice. And we've been doing this. We're up to like 350 images now, and I've contributed twice. But both times I did when I finished the scene I contributed be- before I contributed it's like yes that mm-hmm. was the feeling I had it was like this is, this, this is what I wanted to say this is exactly the expression I wanted and then the ability to share it was awesome um, yeah. but the delight in writing a good scene if that isn't fuel enough for you might be time to reassess
0: yeah, maybe, maybe. I
1: and and again, I and that might be complete. I will call absolute BS on my own BS.
0: Uh, no, no, I I completely agree with you. I think I think if you find passion, if you find um, some kind of energy or satisfaction in creating something, no matter how small, then you're doing it right. Yes. If your if your criteria is well, this is just a little thing I did, uh, it's not going to amount to anything. Well, okay, but you did it. It shows yeah. that you still have the ability to do it. And it's on Facebook, so you can at least cherish those three or four thumbs up if you—if that's <laughs> your, your, your small royalty for creating this for the amusement of a small group of other people. Exactly. And I, I enjoy that. I mean, this is something where, that I followed you on Facebook to do, and it's, it shows up in my feed every morning at 5 a.m., <laughs> and it's usually some provocative or cryptic photograph without any comment at all. Right. And I enjoy the hell out of it. There's some but I can't fathom how I would, how I could take such a great image and add anything to it. But there are times where I'm just like, this is such a, this is a, such an absurd image in my head that I, <laughs> I, I I'm just going to take a completely different take on it and throw some words down and oh great I'm good for the day. I there know that I, I haven't lost that ability. Um, I made a couple people smile, and yep. I, you know maybe I got a new idea out of it. Exactly. Yeah, that's,
1: yeah. So, the yeah, simplest I think you're of right. dialogues, the simplest mm-hmm. of dialogues, and and it it does it charges you. You know, feel say what you will about the the notion of the mono myth and Joseph Campbell's uh, uh, conclusions about mythology. He, his one phrase, his catchphrase, "Follow your bliss," is mm-hmm. is my bible. Uh, and, and and it's not you know be an idiot and and frolic around in your underwear and and do whatever. It's if you pursue the things that delight you, you will emanate delight. It's, it goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning, the joy. If you are doing, pursuing something that gives you joy, you radiate joy. You are, you have a joy field around you. And that is an energetic field, very much like an electromagnetic field. And I guarantee you that you will attract other people who are feeling joy. (laughs) Why aren't you on the road with this, giving, like filling stadiums and, and God.
0: you don't even Tony need to Robbins. Set up an Well, not no. But, I mean, there's such a, a a market for that kind of feel good, creative, positive energy.
1: Certainly, college campuses need it. Dude, um, I'm on. I'm on the Why podcast, man. I'm. I'm, yeah. already, I'm getting my message out there. <laughs> yes, you are. Yes, you are.
0: <laughs> and, and I think the platform you provided for with Archivos, if I can plug the sponsor for a second, oh, is is a tool. <laughs> that i've started to use i i I remember compiling and editing a novel that it was the novel that i produced for my mfa and by the time i was done with it i had forgotten what i had written on page 10 i mean it was so many versions you go through with a novel so many revisions so many changes at the last minute tweaks can change the perspective of a character and one of the things that i started to do was take an excel spreadsheet and break down all the characters their motivations and try to keep that straight, because uh, I knew Excel. Right. You you were like, dude, that's. I, I think that was the same motorcycle. <laughs> um, it, you you came about and said, you know, I have a tool for this, right? Uh, okay, and I checked it out, and it, I love things that are visual. I mean, I, I can if I put things on a chalkboard or I put things on a big map and uh, like a. Um, uh, Visio flowchart. That to mm-hmm. me is is stronger than putting something on an Excel spreadsheet. So when I started moving things around the board on Archivos on my on my uh, Winston Casey Chronicles page, I was able to visualize these character relationships in a different way, which is really cool. And I know this is starting to sound like an infomercial, but I will cut it off here just to say that this is the kind of thing that you do, that right. is inspiring. You you're not only there to talk people up. But you were also there, creating tools, um, facilitating the creation of novels and audio drama and uh, all these other things. And I think this this new tool is just another representation of that body of work that you <laughs> you have profo- pro- professed and pro- and promoted all of your life. So I, I want to thank you for that.
1: Absolutely, and and honestly. You know, this is we, when when you read somebody's biography, it's like everything they did led up to this moment, and it's like they knew at the age of twenty that they would become this thing that they became. <laughs> and it's like, oh fuck no! Pardon my French. This 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 was this is this is following your bliss, Jay. This is yeah. I like doing this. Oh, let's do a podcast ideas, ideas, ideas. I love doing this. Hey, here's a new way of doing this. Let's put together this thing. Awesome. Ooh, radio drama active, you know, God, they're going to look back the biographers someday. Like I'm going to be worthy of biographers someday. Maybe who knows? Uh, they're going to look back and say, even then he knew it's like, don't believe them. He did not. He was just screwing around, following the path of delight. <laughs> and it all <laughs> came together through some magic that I have yet to understand. I
0: think there are ways to follow into success. Uh, if you're following your, you're, you're following the, the butterfly and you're intrigued by where it takes you, <laughs> then you might find yourself in a magical place. You might find yourself in a sewer, too, but there's a level of self-discipline that you also demonstrate to, to control that journey. So,
1: Absolutely. Project Archivos.
0: One of the things we do on this show, we're going to be carrying off through this season and uh, and others, is Project Archivos, which is since we have so many writers and, and entertainers on the show, I wanted them each to contribute something toward a separate story. Okay. Uh, and what we're going to do is we're going to take an element of this of a story, pose it to the guest, the guest will come up with an answer, and it will post this to our Archivos story. We don't have a title yet, we don't have anything yet. So <laughs> as as first guest after the pilot episode with the USS Susquehannock, I am posing to you, sir. I would like you to create the genre in which we will tell this story.
1: Okay. Pick anything. It is open board real okay all right um i would not oh god they're gonna hate me for this all right near future science fantasy (laughs) okay And, and, and let me just let me just walk you through this okay near future anything i think is one of the most exciting but also one of the most challenging genre settings, genre settings to, to, to work with just because things happen so quickly uh, uh, and change so quickly. And it requires, it requires us to take draw a line in the sand and say, let's look at this now and project ahead and then not worry about it. But we don't have to project too far. Uh, uh, the resources are right there. Science fantasy. Is, is a fascinating concept to me because I've always felt, you know, the, the, the old, uh, uh, was it Arthur C. Clarke, any any sufficiently advanced technology will be viewed as magic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I agree with that. And when you look at Gandalf or you look at Dumbledore and Harry Potter, you look at any of the magic users out there, my instinct as an OCD Virgo <laughs> is to break that down and say, okay, how does this work? Uh, uh, what is the science of this? Uh, uh, you know, you've got uh, uh, you know, Star Wars is is definitely a science fantasy in that regard. Um, I think that's interesting. I think if we if we can apply a scientific aesthetic to a magical quality of some kind, and then sh- notch that ahead, you know, maybe just thirty, forty, fifty years. I think that be I think that would be a. a, a, a a fertile ground to tell a story in. Yeah, so so tell the story
0: close to the present, but apply a, a level of technology or knowledge that is projected far out, or is is that much more alien? Because when you say science fantasy, I think crawl, I think yeah. um, ice yeah. pirates, yeah, and, and and distinguishing that from space opera, which a lot of people see Star Wars as. Sure. Would, do you call them this? Do you see them as kind of the same space opera and space fantasy, or how would you distinguish between the two?
1: No, no, I, I agree. Space opera is is uh, very much it, its own uh, uh, genre with very little. The speculative stuff involves things like warp drives and and how do you communicate across stellar distances? That that kind of hand wavium I, I don't count that as magic. That's part of the shot. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, but when you start looking like crawl, uh, uh, and even you know Star Wars to the extent where you've got like the Force and and mm-hmm. the Jedi Order, um, I think that borders. I think you know while definitely the the vast scope of of the Star Wars saga is very definitively space opera. I think there are science fantasy elements in there with those qualities, and mm-hmm. and I'd like to see us. Uh, I I like the writers and the the people to explore either a magical thing that gets revealed as a scientific thing or vice versa Uh, and something that happens in the near future. So maybe as we read it, we have the we have the vaguest of hopes that we might actually experience whatever wonders Uh, or horrors we explore. Ah, So that that was my next
0: question for those playing along at home who are going to be participating in the inevitable contest. That's going to be attached to this near future. 50 years. Yeah. Yeah. Tops. We'll that. Tops. Tops. Yeah. So half a century at the most. So the other element of this is at the end of this contest, or at the end of this series, we will have a contest where all of those, li- those listeners will go to the board on Archivos, take a look at all of the elements, and they're going to be weird, and come up with a pitch. <laughs> we want you to come on the show as a writer. We want you to take all of those elements, or as many of them as you can, and pitch us, elevator pitch a great story. What would, what are all these elements going to, to be? And then if we pick your story, we will probably come up with some kind of Gen prize. We don't know, but we'll give you the opportunity to write that story. And if we like that story, we'll put it on here. We'll Dude, I'll tell
1: you right now, I will, you know, whatever other prize you come up with, I will throw in a year of Archivos. Absolutely. Free.
0: <laughs> there there's incentive in there, right, right there. Um, there and uh, on my side, If we want to do a podcast dedicated to uh, a professional voice actor reading your story, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: we will make that happen. So there's your second incentive. I know a guy who knows a guy. I think I can make that happen. (laughs) So Dave Robison, it has been great talking to you, sir. Always energizing, always optimistic, inspiring. Uh, (laughs)
1: I, I feel the same way. I feel the same way about you, Jay. Every conversation we have, uh, uh, it, it rarely skims the surface. We we tend to to dive to the heart of things, and that's where I think the coolest conversations take place.
0: Yeah, uh, you should hear some of the conversations I have in HR. It's not nearly as <laughs> easy it, it it it's
1: you.
0: You lead the conversation. It's like a dance. You lead it. And somebody's got to step up to that tempo. Uh, it, it, I don't know if we're going to have the same energy in the next two episodes that we record, but I'm, I'm <laughs> going to try. Uh, we're going to do it tonight. Do two of them tonight, so I still have residual energy after the fact. So.
1: There you go. And, and if right, you need sir. a recharge, just just give me a call, and I will talk for fifteen minutes. I'll <laughs> juice you back up again.
0: <laughs> All right, Dave. I appreciate the times. Good talking to you. Take care, man. Thanks,
1: Jay. Same to you.
0: Why is a production of J. Smith Audio. Produced by Holden Smith and J. Smith. Music by Kevin McLeod and Competech.com. The series is sponsored by Archivos, your stories illuminated. Check them out at Archivos, A R C H I V O S dot digital.